Believe in it. There are a lot in our church audience here today that you are familiar with it, but you are also unfamiliar with it at the same time. You know about it, but you don't know that much about it. And I'm going to do my part today to help you, if I can, to understand. So I have some motives for this today. I have Today what I told you last week is that I would speak on was what we know and why we value speaking with other tongues, okay? What we know and why we value as spirit-filled believers. And so, Pastor, why would you share this with you? I've got some reasons for this. Number one is I believe greater understanding unlocks potentially greater desire. Because you have to desire these things. You have to long. The Bible plainly says concerning spiritual gifts, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. If I have a greater understanding, uh, it can potentially unlock a greater desire. Number two, I want to correct our motives of why we desire and why we do practice speaking in other tongues. I hope to correct our motive. Because one thing that means a lot to me personally, and I believe it means a lot to the Father, is a pure motive. And I want my heart to be sincere. And I want to seek for the fullness of the Spirit of God in my life, not so that I can be seen of men, right, but that I can unlock greater power to be the person God's called me to be, right, and including being a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. Number three, to help you as a believer to see that we receive this gift of the Holy Spirit by faith. It's a work of faith. How many of you know you don't receive anything from God except for by faith? The Bible says if we come to God, we must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those that will diligently seek Him. So by faith, we receive from the Father. Number four, though, lastly, is you and I must be a willing participant in an active faith, an active state of faith. Excuse me, let me clarify that. So what I'm saying is, when I talk about receiving either the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's not that you are without any motion of response whatsoever. No active. Receiving involves actually opening up yourself to receive what God has promised. So you have to be an active participant, a willing participant by faith. I gave teaching last week that hopefully helped you understand the distinction from being born again, whereby you receive the indwelling Spirit, and being baptized with the Spirit. Does anybody remember that? I hope you do, because I don't want to have to go back and re-preach it to you. I will if I need to, but I would have to keep you a lot longer. But it's very important that you understand that we are not in any way saying that if you have not received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that you have not received the indwelling Spirit. We believe, as Spirit-filled believers, that every born-again believer has the indwelling Spirit of the living God on the inside of them, don't we, Dr. Brasso? We do. We believe that you cannot be any of His. Paul said that you are none of His if you don't have the Spirit of Christ dwelling on the inside of you. I clarified for you last week in Romans 8, the Bible plainly says, His Spirit joins with your Spirit declaring you to be a child of God. I brought you into the two passages of Scripture, John chapter number 20, as well as other that we brought contrast to other experiences in Acts where the infilling of the Spirit took place to distinguish it from when Jesus breathed on His disciples and He said, receive the Holy Spirit. And I tied that to the original creation of man 
in Genesis chapter number 2. When God formed man from the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the resurrected Christ with his disciples in front of him as he has appeared to them in Galilee, the blood has been applied to the mercy seat in heaven. The eternal sacrifice has been received. And now man can be born again, fulfilling the prophetic word that Jesus had said to Nicodemus in John 3. You must be born again. How can a man be born? He must be born by the Spirit. Jesus said, that which is flesh, it's flesh. But that which is spirit, is spirit. And when he breathes on them, they are born again, born from above. And it is our belief that eternal life from that moment forward dwelt on the inside of them. And so no matter who you are, if you professed faith in Christ, when you had genuine, authentic faith in believing in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ on the cross, as the sacrificial Lamb of God for your sins and for mine, and you confessed Him, as Romans 10 says, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and you shall be saved. The Spirit of the living God was breathed on the inside of you. And if you had prayed that prayer and died and gave up the ghost, your spirit would have instantly... If, you, if it would have been on your lips and you were professing Christ for the very first time and you had prayed that prayer and then for whatever reason died of a heart attack and you fell over dead, instantly your regenerated spirit would have been with him in paradise in the glories of heaven because you were born from above by the Spirit of God. So I closed last week, though, with telling you, though Jesus then told that same group of men and women, don't. Leave Jerusalem, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. I brought you into the awareness that in the Pentecostal movement, there is a belief that there is a distinct experience from being born of the Spirit and being baptized in the Spirit. I closed off with giving you five recorded instances in the book of Acts where the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the New Testament church. Of those five instances, we know that there are three times it plainly says they spoke with tongues and or prophesied or magnified God. And on two other accounts, they, it's not spoken. It doesn't say that they did, but it is implied by the context that there was something that happened. I'll give you that example of that as a transition point into where we're going today. In Acts chapter number 8, the Bible says that Philip, the evangelist, had gone down to Samaria. You remember that in the message last week. In Samaria, you had the Samaritans, which were not fully Jewish or neither fully Gentile, but they were, uh, they were it was racially, uh, what, what, what would be the right word for me? Um, I'm trying to put that together. A mixed race, I guess, would be the best way to say it. And so there was some separation a little bit from the Jewish community because they weren't fully Jewish. But Philip goes down there regardless of the, of, the, of the tension. He preaches Christ and there's miracles and signs and wonders and people believe and there's devils cast out and there's physical healings. Lame people are healed. There's great joy in the city and Peter, or excuse me, Philip takes them down to the water and water baptizes them. But the Bible plainly says the Spirit of God had fallen there are different phrases to describe the baptism in the Holy Spirit, one of which is the Holy Spirit fell, that the Holy Spirit had fallen upon none of them. They were only baptized in water. So Philip sends word to Jerusalem. The Jerusalem church sends Peter and John who go down unto Samaria and pray for them 
for them to receive the Holy Spirit. And so Peter and John do so. Acts 8 and 17 says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, there's no record that they spoke with other tongues or that they prophesied. But the Bible plainly says that Simon, who had been a sorcerer, who he himself supposedly believed and was baptized, said this. Here's what the Bible says. He saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands that the Holy Spirit was given, he desired that same gift and that same power in his own life as well. Now, the reason why I bring this up is because it's, not, it, it's inferred by the context of the passage that they did speak with other tongues because, because Simon saw something. He saw there was a notable evidence that said, yes, the Spirit of God has come upon them. And Pentecostal theology is a belief system, and it's a belief, it, it arrives as a climatic moment that when you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you will speak with other tongues and or prophesy. That's the belief, prophetic utterance, especially with an emphasis on speaking in other tongues. And I'm going to go in and begin to talk about speaking in other tongues. It's familiar to many of you, but I'm telling you, you should sharpen yourself on it, even if you've been spirit-filled for many years. Because you need to agitate the gift of God, don't you? Stir up the... We are exhorted to fan the flame, Paul told Timothy. Stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of you by the laying on of my hands. So who will take a moment and pray with me right now? And ask the Lord to open our understanding and help us so that we can relate to what the pastor's speaking, what we know and why we value speaking with other tongues. Father, I love you and I'm humbled to be in this room. I'm humbled to be amongst godly people who are zealous of spiritual things. I pray today, God, that the gift of a shepherd, the gift of a teacher, God, would be inside of me today. God, but also a prophetic gift would be present, Lord. And we pray among us today equally as much an apostolic gift, Father. For Paul the apostle said, I long to impart unto you. God, we pray for an apostolic anointing in the house today, Father, that we can see and hear God, of the wonders of God, as men and women open their heart to receive of the mighty power of the Holy Spirit. God, I acknowledge weakness in my flesh, carnality in my mind. I confess that to our church family. But God, I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, despite me, you can still use me. But God, I also pray for the heart of people to receive instruction by faith. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen and amen. I prayed privately. I prayed privately that God could use me to help lead you, many of you, into an experience that I believe is very scriptural. And also, I not only believe it to be scriptural, it's very personal. It's personal in my own heart and life. I said, Pastor, is it fair for you? To pray a prayer. Well, I just read to you or, or quoted to you a passage where Peter and John went to believers for the specific purpose of helping lead them into a greater experience in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So today, I think it is. Speaking in other tongues and prophetic utterance is the consistent initial evidence of spirit baptism. It's, but it's not the end of your pursuit. Can I say that? It's not the end. But it's the spiritual confirmation that you have obtained what you desire. Did y'all hear that? It's a spiritual conf confirmation. The, 
The historic language is, and I know it's kind of antiquated in our culture today, but we say the initial physical evidence. Because if we're not careful, we can allow other people's experiences to determine the validity of our experience. Now, I want it to be other people's experiences if it's a biblical experience. So we go not to what someone else said in our friendship or culture of of life or even our church fellowship, but we go to the scriptures. That's why I asked you to home. I gave you a homework assignment, didn't I? And I prayed and and, and asked that you go back and you read these. That was in Acts chapter number 2. So I want to begin with today what we know about tongues because that's the thing that is most associated with Pentecostalism. Even though there are nine gifts of the Spirit, but we, we, we often focus our attention. And I off, and I'll agree with you, if you're unfamiliar to speaking in other tongues, even Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14 that it can uh, be a little strange to you when you're around it for the very first time. Every person that was went into a Pentecostal fellowship, especially a vibrant Pentecostal fellowship, for the very first time, it may have been a little bit different than the norm of the church that you had been in previously. And so there is that little bit of that awkward place that says, you know what, i got to go beyond all of that. I've got to move beyond it because I see something in the Word of God that's compelling me. So I'm going to talk to you again about tongues because that's the point of contention. That's the point where people get, I think, people either embrace it or they stumble over it. And I don't want you to stumble over it. I want you to embrace it. So let me go ahead and begin to break it down. And remember this. I told you last week, and I'll say it one more time. You can find what you're looking for. So if you want to go online and take what I've taught, and if you want to Google search it, you will find a plurality of ministers and then even theologians who will share information on a theological plane that will affirm everything that I'm going to say to you today. But if you want to find something that conflicts with what I'm going to say to you today, you can find equally as much as someone else is writing that will conflict with. So the pastor said last week, you got to be fully persuaded in your own mind you got to arrive at the place and say, you know what, I believe in it, and I want to do more than believe in it. I want to believe for it. And you know what, I'm radical enough as your pastor to tell you that I'm believing with you for it because I believe in the experience enough based upon my own personal experience of how it radically changed my life as an individual when I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so I'm sharing something with you today out of my heart, something I believe in with wholeheartedness. I have, uh, you know, I have six children. My greatest prayers for my and Sherry's six children is God, that the Spirit of God come upon each one of them. If there's any of them that's not filled with the Holy Spirit, and many of them they're probably watching today, I pray that same prayer for them. I say, God, fill them. You know why? Because they'll be more, they'll, they'll be, they'll be more powerful as fathers. More powerful as mothers, they'll, be, they'll, they'll, they'll have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to their heart. They'll be conformable to the will of God. And I'm not in any wise saying today that someone here among us that is spirit-filled is of greater value or that has a greater spirituality than someone here who does not have that experience. You've heard me say this before. It's never about comparing you to anybody else. It's about you and your own personal experience. This is vertical, not horizontal. It's about my communion with God. It's about, it's about me being able to commune with God in the Spirit. So tongues, let's talk about tongues. Tongues may be known dialects. Absolutely. 
tongues, what we call speaking in unknown tongues, maybe Acts 2 and 8 says, as that first outpouring on the day of Pentecost, how do we hear? He said, how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? So absolutely, tongues can be known languages. 1 Corinthians 14 and 10, Paul said, there are so many kinds of voices in the world and none of them is without signification. I'm going to take you into more of a logical point related to or a logical position related to speaking in other tongues in just a moment. But I want you to see, first of all, that tongues, when we speak, we speak of the unknown tongues, it, they may be known dialects, but they don't have to be known dialects. I'll clarify that for you in a moment. Tongues may be words or sentences of multiple dialects that comes together, but also... Paul said in the text of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 13, I didn't read verse 1, I began in verse number 3 a moment ago, but Paul said tongues can be the tongues of angels. He said, though I speak to you with the tongues of men and of angels. So they can be known dialects, or they can also be, uh, I believe that they can also be multiple dialects, but they can also be the tongues of angels. One of the most important things for you to understand, speaking in other tongues, you and I have to distinguish between the gift of tongues and the private devotional use of tongues. Most often the time, this is the stumbling point for so many. Now, I hope that you don't grow uh, bored with me here today. I hope today you're saying, Pastor, there's something inside of me. I need something. I need something to deepen my communion with God. That's why I'm here today. I'm here today not because I get paid extra when I actually, you know, cross off something that says, okay, this is in accordance with Assembly of God doctrine. I'm here today because I want you to get what you need from God so that you can be who God desires you to be. And I believe that God takes the foolish things of the world to confound the mighty, doesn't he? So let's go a little bit farther in this. Tongues, we're going to distinguish between the gift of tongues. What's the gift of tongues? 1 Corinthians 12 and 10 the scripture plainly says that there are different kinds of tongues enlisting what we know as the gifts of the Spirit to which we will teach you later in the weeks ahead. There are different kinds of tongues that also must be joined by interpretation of tongues because it's used in a public setting to edify the body. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 10, but also in 1 Corinthians chapter number 14, verse number 27, it says, If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at the most by three, and that by course, and let one interpret. And so we see in that context that there is a gift of tongues that is used in a public setting to edify the body. And it must have an interpreter with it, not a translator. Because when a, when a word is spoken in what we call an unknown tongue, and an interpretation is given, it's not a translation. It might be a known dialect, but it might not be a known dialect. And many of you are wondering, well, is, is there a translation? No, it's an interpretation. It's interpreting of the mind and the heart of the Spirit of God. The same way that we see parables. Jesus taught in parables that had to be interpreted. Messages are brought forth in tongues that require an interpretation. And when they are exercised together, two of the nine gifts, they become equivalent to the gift of prophecy. Prophecy is defined as inspired utterance in the language of the individual who speaks. In, speaking in other tongues with interpretation is tongue spoken that's not in the known language of the individual who speaks. Therefore, the gift of an interpreter must come together and, and, and so that the word can be understood to produce edification for the body. 
Y'all understand that real quickly. So there's the gift. In the Assemblies of God, we say it this way. It's the same in essence, but it's different in usage. So today, I have to establish this principle. I've got to get this in your mind. There's a gift of tongues that requires interpretation to edify the corporate body. But then there is also a devotional usage of tongues that does not require the usage of another individual to edify the body as a whole because I'm not striving to edify the body as a whole. I'm communicating with God on a private devotional level. I'm going to show you that in just a moment. Well, let's go there now. 1 Corinthians 14, verses 14 and 15. Look at that with me for just a moment of time, just very, very carefully. Verses 14, Paul said, If I pray in an unknown tongue. See, people oftentimes say, well, I know about speaking in other tongues. But see, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about praying in a tongue. And so you got to see that when I use the, the, the phrase oftentimes speaking in other tongues, many times we're talking about the gift of tongues. But when we talk about the private devotional use, we're talking about praying in tongues. So Paul said here, if I pray in an unknown tongue, he said, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Verse number 15, the next one, let's read that if we can. I think I'll put that one there also. He said, what is it then? What's my conclusion to this? He said, I'm going to pray in the Spirit, and I'm also going to pray in my understanding. So Paul said that once you receive the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, I can pray to God in my known language. And I can get a hold of God and I can pray and say, Father, I'm calling upon your name. I'm praying and I can use my own native language. But then, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I can pray in the Spirit. I'll tell you in a moment what happens when you pray in the Spirit. And so we again say the private usage of tongue is the same in essence as the gift of tongues, but it has a different purpose. Listen carefully. Drop this in the Spirit. This will help you. One edifies the corporate body. The other edifies the individual. The other edifies the individual. Let's move on. If in my understanding, if it's unfruitful... Doesn't it mean I'm just speaking gibberish? You know, I actually have a book at home that I purchased recently by, a, uh, by an author that is a, a scholar in, Greek, in the Greek language, and it's defining certain words. And I bought it because I thought, you know, I'll put that in the church office, and me and Joe and Jason would come in here. We might just enjoy just kind of reading a, like a daily devotional. And just, you know, just learn more about the native language or about the original language in these words. And that brother, unfortunately for me, I should have looked at it closer. That brother spends half his time trying to defeat the notion that speaking in other tongues is for the church today. And it so grieved my spirit in, in, in this sense because uh, as, as, I, as I went into it, I, I thought to myself, there's so much value of other things that you could be talking about than to try to tear down other people's validated experience. And so listen, if my under, and he used the reason I brought this up, he called it gibberish, Dr. Brad said. He called it gibberish. So I thought to myself, he said, Pastor, is it gibberish? It might be gibberish to you if I was talking to you. But I'm not talking to you. See, because you need a translator or an interpreter, or you might need somebody to type in real fast and try to put in the computer and get a response to what, and, 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 and somebody that can break it down, what I said. But see, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the God of heaven. I'm talking to he that sits on the, uh, in the throne of his glory. And let me tell you, God does not need an interpreter. God does not need a translator. And so the apostle said, and we say, Pastor, validate that. 1 Corinthians 14 and 2, let's look at that verse. This could be the key verse. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue, 
speaks not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him. Read that. For no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries. Now I'm going to clarify what that means to you in just a moment of time. But I want to bring you in to tie this together into what I believe there is a certain measure of logic related to what we know as unknown tongues or speaking other tongues. Let's pick up languages for just a moment. In the history of man, when were languages divided? At the Tower of Babel, correct? And did you know if you study Genesis chapter number 10, you'll find that there were 70 distinct nations that came forth out of Babel. But you know today, if you search the the spectrum of the world, there are over 7,000 known dialects. Did y'all hear that? 7,000 known dialects. There were 70 in the Genesis chapter number 10, and now it has morphed to 7,000. And let me tell you, nothing has caught God off guard. God's not up there in heaven saying, I'm just waiting for a commentary to come out. A thesaurus of some type. Because i got to get this thing figured out. Because i got people praying to me and I can't understand what they're saying. Hello? I want you to see how big God is. So, so let, let's look at the logic. Even a hillbilly like me can have a little bit of logic along the way. The evolution of a language involves cultural acceptance. All languages have had to grow as new discoveries are made. All languages are purged as previous uses for things related to antiquity are no longer spoken of. So you see languages grow and expand, but they also purge. So if you look back in the 1600s, you couldn't find a computer, right? A thumb drive. You can't find a thumb drive in the dictionary in 1611, can you? Right? But you also don't use the term lasciviousness anymore, right? Or banqueting in the sense that it's used in in the Scripture. A lot of, so that a lot of la- a part of our language, words fade out, but also it has to expand as new words come in. And so a language, let me tell you what a language is. It's simply a means to communicate a desire or feeling or expression, to share information. The key is two things. The key is intent in the heart of the speaker and also understanding in the heart of the mind of the listener. So if I have a pure intent as the speaker and the listener has understanding in their heart and mind, then somehow come together, we can have communication. I always marvel, I always marveled at Sister Sherry when we had small children. Because you, mamas know this, that little children are saying things that I have no, as the father, I had no clue. And Sister Sherry said, oh, his little tummy is hurting. So what's he saying? She said, no, his tummy is hurting. Or no, he's hungry. He's got to go to the bathroom. He needs to go to the bathroom. Because there was something in the baby that could communicate with the mama, right? And that even without the baby being able to say, a little baby like, you know, like like 11 months old, just going to say, Mom, I'm hungry. I'm tired of eating this little baby food like this right here. Give me a steak. Now, that's what JoJo probably told his mama when he was a baby. But, 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 but out of the feeling, out of the emotion, the mother could understand the intent of the child. And so even known languages that are commonly used, they have no value to you and I. They don't produce edification in the church if we don't understand what's spoken. So it can even be a true language, a known language, but in essence, it would still, we would need an interpreter because of our lack of understanding. But just because you as a listener 
don't have the understanding, it would not devalue the information that the individual was speaking. So let me see. I didn't say that correctly, but I want to try to put it together. So, so here we have an individual who speaks a known language, one of the 7,000 dialects. And they could be speaking to you in their known dialect. And you as the listener say, I don't understand Javanese. How many know there's a nation of Java uh, off of, around Indonesia? And uh, Dr. Lester Summerall preached there 100 years ago and cast devils out of people in Java. And I, I read about this, and I, I could have somebody from Java here today, and they could stand up and they could speak, and not a single one of us would understand what they were saying, right? But in their own native land, the others would understand. But so they're speaking a perfect language, but it would still be, it would not produce edification for us, correct? Right? So, but we're not going to devalue what they're saying. We're not going to say what they're saying is gibberish, are we? So it's the same with tongues. Your lack of understanding doesn't mean that powerful truths and information is not occurring because it is. Because, listen, it says you speak the mysteries. I'll explain what that means in a moment. And so to add that all together and fold that together towards just drawing the heart out of a sermon I preached years ago about the logic of speaking other tongues, let me tell you about your God for a moment. Psalm 44, said, verse 21 said, God knows the secrets of your heart. Did y'all hear that? I said, God knows there are times you don't even have to say anything, and you know already, God already knows. The psalmist said again in Psalm 139, he knows your thoughts are far off. So before you even form a word, then he went on to say in the same passage, there's not a word in your tongue, but thou, O Lord, you know it all together. So your father knows you. He knows the intent of your heart. And sometimes your situation is so grievous that you need to call upon the name of the Lord in such a way that your mind does not have a rational, articulate way to be able to convey what's in your heart. And so the Spirit of God joins with your spirit and prays through you using the heart and the mind of the Father, not your heart and mind. And conveys to the Father the perfect will of God. Man, I get excited when I start talking about that. So as a believer, as a believer, you should ask and receive by faith. You need to ask the Lord to fill you with the Spirit. Right? If you want this, you've got to ask Him. How many of you know Luke 11 says, How much more shall the Heavenly Father give the Spirit of God to those who ask Him? Number two, you have to expect that when you pray for God to fill you with the Holy Spirit, there's going to be a supernatural unction of the Spirit of God in your life, giving you the grace to speak a prophetic unction, speaking it out in the name of Jesus. You have to expect it all the way through. Anytime the Spirit of God fell upon people, there was prophetic unction, wasn't there, Jace? Prophetic unction. There was always a prophetic unction that was spoken of. Do not be, or number three, you've got to know that your experience is biblically sound. And true to the scriptural narrative, right? So that's why you study. That's why you go to this and you read and you say, God, I want to know so that I can have a sound and biblical experience. And number four, don't be ashamed. It may seem foolish, but God chooses the foolish things to confound the mighty, right? So today in closing, just real quickly before we pray, I'm going to drop some principles that's going to reveal to you the power of speaking other tongues. Are y'all ready today? I'm going to go out with a with a bang here today, all right? So I'm going to drop these down in your heart by faith, and you got to go with me. Some I'll expound on, some I'll hold for expounding on later. Number one, if you're praying in the Spirit, you will do it. What does that mean? That means your will is involved. Right? Many people are saying, I'm just waiting for the Spirit of God to come on me, 
and, then, and, and, and he'll speak the tongues through me. No, you have to do the speaking. You have to open up your mouth. I listened to a message, a, a sermon on Friday of Derek Prince teaching uh, hundreds of people gathered about receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. And he brought them to the passage of Scripture where Jesus said that you shall drink. Come unto me and drink. And he said, you just got to drink it in. But then you have to speak out. You have to speak out what the Lord has put in your spirit. And it's not, we always say it this way, God's not going to come on you and move your tongue upside down like this. And neither are we. We're not going to gather around you and pat you on the back and hit you on the head and shake and spit it out and all that. We're not going to do all those things. But I'm telling you, Paul said, I have to, by my will, I will pray in the Spirit. If you'll get that down in your heart and mind right there and say, there's my word of faith right there, I will pray in the Spirit. Say, Father God, as I pray, I receive. I ask, and therefore, Father, I receive. God, and so I will pray in the Spirit. I will. It's the will of God for me to do so. I'll pray in my understanding, and I'll pray in the Spirit of God. The Spirit of the prophet is always subject to the prophet. Number two, when I pray in the Spirit, I don't understand what I'm praying for unless I later interpret it. So you have to understand that you are speaking in the Spirit, and so the Bible plainly says your understanding is what? It's on the screen. What's it say right there? Read it with me. It's it's unfruitful. I don't understand what I'm saying. No, I can later interpret as the Spirit of God gives me an interpretation, but I don't understand it. And so there's where so many people miss it because they think if I don't understand it, it doesn't have any value. We'll go back to what I just said a few minutes ago about the logic behind it. Just because you don't understand it does not mean it doesn't have value in the kingdom of God, right? Because God knows the heart and the intent. And so, Pastor, will then help me to understand that principle further. Number three, I will, and that is by faith I understand Romans 8 and 26. Let's read verses 26 of Romans chapter number 8. Likewise, he says, the Spirit helps our infirmities. For we don't know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, they tell us that that word uttered there in the original language can also be translated or understood. And so what we believe as Pentecostals is this. There are times in your heart and your mind, there are things that you don't know what you should pray about. Every spirit-filled believer here under the sound of my voice will say, man, pastor, there have been times in my life I've had a situation with my family or my children or about my job or about a decision that I was making. I didn't know how to pray. And so I just got alone with God and I trusted in the Spirit of God that the Spirit of God joined to my spirit would pray through me what? The perfect will of God. Praying the power and the perfect will of God. Number four, as I pray in the Spirit, I'm edified. Do you need edified? You know why this is so important today? Because so many people have a dependency upon coming to church for edification. Edification means to be built up. Every one of us, I hope you're edified when you come to church. I, I don't want you to come here and us beat you down and tear you down. I want you to come here and we'll build you up in the name of Jesus. But the greatest way that you can be built up in the Spirit is to get along with God in prayer and begin to praise and pray in the power of the Spirit of God. And there's something miraculous that happens when you pray in the Spirit. Your own spirit is built up. He's edified. Every one of you that's ever worked out. 
And I'm talking about going to a gym and you have worked out and you've been in that gym and you know while you're lifting that iron and you're doing those curls and you're doing those squats that you are building up yourself. You kind of went in kind of little, but in that moment of time, there was an edification. There was a building up. Your muscles swelled up. Your chest swelled up. Your legs got stronger and you came in like this and you walked out looking at yourself in the mirror all like this. But see, in the Spirit, let me tell you, in the Spirit, we build up our most holy faith. We, I'll tell you what, the world will beat you down. But praying in the Spirit will, be, will lift you up, and you'll be edified in the name of the Lord. Number five, and this perhaps is the greatest of me to me, is as I pray in the Spirit, go back to 1 Corinthians 14 and 2, I declare the mysteries of God. Did y'all hear that? Read that with me here today. Don't let unbelief rob you here today. I know everybody gets awkward because we're like, oh, Pastor, we could do this in private. This is a public setting. Listen, I've got to teach you publicly so that you'll know what to practice privately, right? So let's catch this real quickly. It says that if you're speaking in the Spirit, what are you doing? You're speaking the mysteries of God. Did y'all hear that? Catch, i got to pause on that and let that sink in your heart. you got to understand the mysteries of God. The Amplified Bible says that you will utter secret truths and hidden things not known or obvious to the understanding. Did y'all hear that? Now, years ago, when I thought on this, I tried to put a puzzle together. And I don't know if, I mean, certainly, I'm, I know I'm not the only one, but it helped me. The Bible says in Romans, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. How many of you know that your faith, the capacity to believe, is is activated inside you when a promise of God is spoken to you. So you hear it. If you receive it, you believe in it, right? You hear it, and you believe it. And so when I pray in the Spirit, listen to this, I'm speaking the mysteries of God. I'm declaring the wonderful works of God that are known, but I'm doing so in another language. So let me tell you what's happening. My spirit as I pray it, my faith is being built up because there's a reciprocation. I'm hearing the Word of God. I speak it, and I also hear it. I speak it. Now, that happens when you prophesy, too. I've told you I've been your pastor for 17 years. The greatest sermons that I have ever preached has never been in the presence of another individual. But it's in my own private devotion. It's when I'm worshiping God like David in the, in the sheepfold all by myself and the Spirit of God comes upon me and I open my mouth and I begin to speak prophetic words and my faith hears those words and my faith rises up and says this, if God said it, I believe it. And if I believe it, then I will receive it to His glory in the name of Jesus. And when you pray in the Spirit, you're declaring the mysteries of God. Man, I could go on right there, but I'll just pause. Let me move on, then I'm going to close. You can interpret what you pray in tongues by speaking or praying your native language in the same context. Look what Paul said. If you speak in an unknown tongue, pray that you may interpret. So you as the individual, even in private devotion and even in the ministry gift that we won't teach on today, you can pray that you interpret what you say. Let me tell you from personal experience, many times when you've prayed in the Spirit and there's been unction on you and then a moment later you prayed in your known language and the Spirit of God was on you, what you were praying in your known language was what you had been praying in the Spirit. Does that make sense today? Y'all getting real quiet in here. I get nervous when you get quiet. 
I can speak to myself in tongues quietly and to God, 1 Corinthians 14 and 28. How many know speaking in tongues doesn't have to be loud? Right? Did you hear that? In this context, it's about the gift of tongues. But remember, the gift of tongues and the private devotion is the same in essence but difference in purpose. Paul said in this sense, if there's nobody that can interpret, let's say you had the gift of tongues and you were going to minister it in the church family, to the church family, and you ministered by the gift of tongues and no one interpreted. Paul said, remain silent, speak to yourself and to who? And to God is what it says. What verse? I've got verse 13 up there, but I don't think that was the verse that I meant to speak right there. Verse number 28, verse 14, verse number 28. Listen to what it says. If there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. And so when my mind is distracted, I can pray in tongues quietly. How many of you here like working in a factory? I worked in a factory many long years ago. And I know what it's like to stand there all day and punch something. Or I know what it's like to get on a tractor and spend hours on a tractor. And my mind to be way over here thinking about this and thinking about that. But I can be on that tractor and I can just be in my own spirit just quietly. Just praying in the spirit of God. Right? Come on now. Building up my most holy faith. That's, that's why you want this in your life. Number eight, I'm almost finished. I can give thanks to God in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, 16, and 7 says you can give thanks to God. I'll move on from there. Number nine, speaking in other tongues creates the prophetic flow that often loses the other spiritual gifts. John chapter 7, verse number 37. Jesus said, out of your own belly shall flow a river of living water. Speaking in tongues is not the end. It's the entrance point into a deeper walk with God. Right? It might bring you the Spirit of God. You might have other gifts of the Spirit that begin to function in your life if you can just press through and receive of this grace in your heart and life. There's no telling what God can do with you. Right? A gift of prophecy could come. A word of wisdom could come. A word of knowledge. The prophetic gifts that we're going to talk about in the days ahead. Those can come to you when you're willing to push through the uncomfortableness of receiving the baptism and the power of the Holy Spirit. As you stir up the gift of God on the inside of you. And lastly today, tongues are assigned to unbelievers. 1 Corinthians 14 and 22. Here it says, Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. Prophesying serveth not to them which believe not, but for them which believe. Look what he's saying in verse number 22. Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them which believe, but to them which believe not. Here is my belief, and I'm going to add to this as I close here today just very quickly. That tongues are a sign of the, to the unbeliever of the mysterious power of God. That it's present in the church. How I many you know we need the, the power of God to be present in the church? Can I say that with you? I'm closing right now. There are no other points. This is it right here. And that we need the power of God in the church. We need the, we need the, the visible manifestations of the presence of God. We're urged as believers to pray that God moves by the power of His Holy Spirit. And if we shun the baptism in the Holy Spirit, we will not have the gifts of the Spirit functioning in our lives. If we say, no, I want the gifts without tongues, then you're not going to have the gifts. That's the entrance point into the other workings of the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're not ashamed of them. We need them. I, I wrote it this way. As a sign to unbelievers. Second, it's a sign that becomes a defense to the ultimate unbelievers, which is demonic spirits. We've been teaching you on spiritual warfare to a degree that I believe that you can actually exercise spiritual warfare by praying in the Spirit. Did y'all hear that? I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to equip you. Isn't that my job as your pastor? 
is to help equip you in your walk with God. How many of you know that there are principalities and powers held in, in, in heavenly places, the Bible says, in Ephesians chapter number 6? We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. Right? How many of you know there's spiritual warfare that's going on? Let me tell you, come tomorrow when they start, they start uh, interviewing Amy Barrett for the Supreme Court, there's going to be a lot of contention at this level, but there's going to be a lot of contention at this level too, right? And so I'm just telling you, there's other situations in life that you're dealing with something down here, but there's the activity of demonic spirits and the, the presence, and we, we're going to teach you in our study on spiritual warfare that the devil ain't just going to back away. He's not just going to turn and flee. He's going to be driven away by the Spirit of God that's upon your life. And when you're full of the Holy Ghost, full of the power of God, then you can lift up your voice and you can rebuke the devil. Well, you don't always just do that in your known tongue. Because when you speak, you speak the mysteries of God. And the mysteries of God, listen, Ephesians 3, don't forget this verse. It's not going to be on the screen. But in chapter 3, verse number 10, it says, To the intent that now to principalities and powers might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. What in the world does that mean, Pastor Brown? That means it's the church's responsibility to declare to principalities and powers the manifold wisdom of God. And what it means is they will still kill and destroy until you lift up your voice and say, Devil, your power's been broken at the tree. You've been, defe you've been defeated before the Lord Jesus Christ. I am in Him. He's elevated me to His right hand. And I exercise His dominion and His authority over you as I pull you down in the name of Jesus Christ. And sometimes you do it with your known tongue. And sometimes that Shatakai Mosia comes in right there. And you are engaging in spiritual warfare as you pull down demonic strongholds in your life in the name of Jesus. So this is not something, number one, for us to play with, you know, and like just, well, this is just, no, but this is also not something for us to neglect. This is something for me as your pastor to challenge you. Believe. 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 Ask. And you shall seek, knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Luke chapter number 11, Jesus said, How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that will ask them? And so today, let's begin to, let's begin to set our hearts and minds in closing this message. I've, I know that I'm really conflicted, you know, because I told you, I said this, the hardest thing to do is to minister like this in the context with the backdrop of COVID floating around. I'm, I'm not, I, all I can be is honest before you today. I know what I want to do, but I know what I can't necessarily do. I want to have the old-fashioned Pentecostal meeting where I just come through and I'm pouring oil on everybody's head and, and going from person to person to person to person. But I got a feeling most of you don't want me going from person to person to person to person here today. And it's not unbelief. It's just being cautious and being guarded is all it is. But I will say it does hinder it hinders me as the teacher because we always want to put a back end to a sermon. We want to say, all right, I taught you, now let's receive. But I also, as I closed last week, I, talked, I said there were five recorded instances. Three times hands were laid on. Two times people just received. Did you know there are people all under the sound of my voice here today that their Pentecostal baptism in the Holy Spirit happened driving down the road in the shower? Praying before bed. Got up in the middle of the night speaking in other tongues. Right? 
So I told you last week we're not going to put God in a box and say it's got to be exactly like this. But I'm going to close you off this way by asking you to stand up with me today. And I'm going to ask you to pray with me. I don't know what time it is, and I'm going to close. I mean, I'm, I'm through with my sermon, but it's time to pray. How many of you say, Pastor, I appreciate you teaching me about this. Let me tell you today, I, I, this is not an exhaustive teaching. This is just kind of a skimming over. This is the culmination. Everything that I taught to you today, I'm not asking you to trust me, but I am going to be honest in saying this. I've proven everything that I've spoken, Jojo, everything. I didn't just read this out of somebody's book. I didn't just say, hey, Springfield, Missouri, send me a book on speaking other tongues. I came from a similar background as many of you. I came out of the Baptist church. I can remember the very first time I was in a church where I heard somebody speak with other tongues. I didn't grow up with a familiarity to it. But I was moved by people that worshiped God like that. That was the thing that moved me. I just said, God, my, my young, immature experience, I was 17 years of age. And when I got around for the very first time, people that began to seek God like this, just something, it just started stirring something in my heart. And I said, God, that's what I want to be. And then as I began to become more comfortable uh, being around people that spoke in other tongues, there was also a desire inside of me too. And I began to say, God, I want that experience in my heart and life too. And I was 17 and I began to seek after it. And I began to ask the Lord and I said, Lord, would you fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit? And you know my own testimony that I was a home alone in the house, my mother and father's house, watching a pre-recorded tape of Morris Sorello preaching. When Morris Sorello said, right now there are young ministers watching me who need to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I got down on my knees in my mom and dad's house in Wilburn, right beside the school, when I was 17 years of age. And I raised my hands and out of my own belly began to flow a river of living water. But I had to pray. I had to speak it out. It was uncomfortable a little bit. But I just began to speak it out. I just began to speak it out. I had asked I had searched, I had sought God, I had repented of every sin that I could think about, and even some I couldn't think about, right? And everybody else does too, don't we? Because we know God is holy, and I don't want anything in the way. And you know what? And God met me there at the house in Wilburn, and it radically changed my life. And so today, I'm just going to encourage you, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it shall be opened. Let's let our heads be bowed and our eyes closed for just a moment of time. And I want to ask you to just begin to pray. Begin to pray in your own heart and life. I can't do it for you. Nobody could do it for me. Nobody could want this for me but me. I want it for you, but that's my, my, my motive is not enough. You must desire these things. First of all, Father, I want to pray for the pulling down of strongholds right now. I pray over my church family. I know what religion does, God. Religion creates so much unbelief in our heart and minds till we can't receive. God, but today, right now, pull those strongholds down. Church family, pray those with me right now. If you have any stronghold in your heart and mind, pull it down in Jesus' name. Say, God, if I've, if I have, if I've belittled this experience, if I have not understood it, if I have questioned it to the degree that I almost didn't believe in it, God, I ask you to forgive me in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, God, forgive me and cleanse me. Let there be nothing in my heart but pure, 
sincere faith, God. Give me the faith in the name of Jesus to receive. And then ask the Lord with all sincerity of heart. Just begin to ask him and say, Lord, I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit. That, God, that I will come to you and drink and that you'll fill my heart and my mind with the Spirit of the Lord in the name of Jesus. Dear, I want to ask you to come up and play for just a moment of time. It's 1130. I have just a few minutes to pray with the people that are gathered in this room today. And I just want to pray. I want to create just a little bit of a culture and a little bit of an atmosphere of prayer in the name of Jesus. We're so awkward. We're so uncomfortable being around anybody in this moment, in this setting. But I've got, you've got to, we've got to get past that, church family, in the name of Jesus. You say, Pastor, what would happen if more than one person spoke in other tongues here in the church? Doesn't the Bible say if two or three, and that must be interpreted, yes, that would be the gift of tongues, but not the evidence of tongues. I taught you that briefly, but you have to trust me on that. There's a difference. There's a difference. Paul prayed for 12 people. They all received and spoke at one time. I read in Acts 8, or I quoted in Acts 8, Peter and John prayed for all the believers at Samaria. And they all must have received simultaneously or almost simultaneously. In the book of Acts, chapter number 2, there was 120 and the Bible says that they all were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they all spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So when we receive with the evidential gift of the speaking other tongues, then there, there can be more than one person. So Joe could begin to pray privately and, and speak it out. And then I could speak it out. And, and someone right beside him or down the, the, the road could speak it out. And it would not be out of the scriptural uh, narrative for us to do so because we're not giving a message in tongues we're not ministering the gift of tongues we're just praying private devotional tongues in the presence of God so I just want to encourage you that you're going to have to exercise faith and you're going to have to have an active faith your heads are bowed your eyes closed you're just seeking God you're just seeking the Lord you're saying God would you fill me with the Holy Spirit would you fill me with the Holy Spirit and God as you fill me with the Holy Spirit the thing that I understand the most is that I can't pray in English and pray in tongues at the same time. You know, when I listen to Derek Prince teaching hundreds of people about this experience, Derek Prince made that, and he made it in such a way that you can't, it had to be understood, is you can't speak in tongues and speak in your native language at the same time. It's one and, it's one and then the other. It's not simultaneously. So you've got to stop speaking in your known language and then you got to speak out what's the utterance in your heart. It takes faith. It takes faith. When you say, Pastor, my mind says it's gibberish. I know that's what your mind says, and that's what you know, uh, the carnal mind says, but I've shown you you're declaring the wonderful works of God. And 1 Corinthians 14 and 10 says that there are so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. None of them is without meaning. Just because you don't understand it, I've shown you today by the Word of God, doesn't mean that it doesn't have meaning or value. It's the expression of your heart. It's the intent of your heart. Paul said, I will pray in my understanding. I don't mean that I'm trying to demonstrate this for you today, but as your pastor and friend, I, I want to just show you it's as fluid. Once you grow and you receive, I can pray for you right now. Father, fill them. 
with the power of the Holy Spirit. It's my native language. I pray over them in English. I pray God fill every man, every woman, and then just as easily I can say, let the spirit of the Lord fall. Let the spirit of the Lord fall. Let the spirit of the Lord fall, God, on the people today. Father, I prophetically declare over every man, woman, boy, and girl who has a ready and recipient heart, God, let the spirit of God fall upon them today in the name of Jesus. And God, I, didn't wanna, I don't want to put your power on display in that sense, God. And I want, don't want to misuse your power, but I want the people to see that their will has to be involved. And they have to stop praying in English in order to pray in the Spirit. Because Paul said, I will pray in the Spirit, and I will pray in my understanding. So I want to ask you to pray right now, church family. I want you to pray in your own understanding for just a moment, just to yourself. It doesn't have to be loud. It doesn't have to be boisterous. It doesn't have to uh, be elevated. Your voice doesn't have to be elevated. Mine wasn't loud. It was only amplified by the microphone. So I want to ask you just to pray. Ask the Lord. Because in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to then stop praying in your native language and to just pray whatever unction of the Spirit that the Spirit gives you. You say, Pastor, well, mine doesn't sound like yours does. Well, I've been praying in the Spirit a long time. Since I was 17, it's been 35 years. So obviously I've grown. I've grown in the spirit. I've grown, my, I've grown in my ability to pray what God's put in my heart. But it wasn't this way 35 years ago. There was just unctions. There were just little groanings. But I spoke them out in faith. And then I grew. And then I grew. And then I could yield. And then I could mature. The same way you matured in your native language, you, to a degree you mature in your prayer language. And so I'm just trying to help you today. I don't know if it is. I hope it is, God. I'm launching out in hope, God. Father, I'm hoping that it's helping somebody today. Lord, in the name of Jesus. Are you praying, Christian? Are you asking? It's just a few minutes. That's all I can keep you for a few minutes here today. God, that's all I can keep you. But if you're asking in your native language, I want to then ask you, if you've asked and you were sincere and you were full of faith and you said, God of heaven, fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit for I come unto you and drink. I come unto you, as Jesus said, I drink. Now, Father, let out of my own belly a river of living water flow. And so I want to ask all the Christians that are willing to do, it's going to be a courageous moment of faith that you would just begin to pray in the Spirit. And again, it doesn't have to be out in the sense that it's boisterous or loud. But as Paul said, you speak unto yourself, unto God. And so maybe it's loud enough that the person that's beside you hears it, but it may not be so loud that somebody, you know, four rows down and three rows over hears it. But you're just praying in the Spirit. Because in doing so, there's a release of faith in our heart. There's a release of faith among us in the name of Jesus. So I want to ask you, and I'm even going to turn my microphone off for a moment. And we're going to just let this be. I'll pray over you a closing prayer in just a moment. But I, I, it takes faith for me to do this. I'm, I was nervous about doing this because I'm not used. I'm used to just coming to people individually, praying with them one by one by one. And I'm trying to do this in a, in a different way. And I'm stepping out in faith. And I have hope in my heart that, that there are people that will receive that will be courageous enough to believe in the name of Jesus today. And so, Kobakoya, Mele, Monda, Rak, 